What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 192, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Avalon Part 2. Part 2. Part 2. Part 2. Avalon Part 2. Part 2. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. Hello, friends. We are an independent podcast. Boy, can you imagine if I tried to do the whole podcast in a fake French accent? Oh, I don't think that would be a good idea. No, a hilarious French accent. Speaking of John Cleese, I don't know when he reprised his role as the French knight on the castle walls, but he did recently-ish. So go on the internets and go look for it because I thought it was funny. So you can do that later, though. You're listening to a podcast right now. That's right. Lord knows he can't hit the pause button. So, friends, we are an independent podcast. If you like what we've got going on, you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through, or you can go to our website at wtts.space. Space! And cl- nice. And click the little coffee cup icon on the bottom right corner. Uh, after clicking that, you can buy one coffee or two coffees or five coffees. If you really like what we've got going on, you can click on the words walking through the Stargate on the little coffee cup icon thing, and it will take you to buymeacoffee.com slash walking through there you can sign up for what they call memberships that is a monthly recurring thing if you really like what we got going on and if you really 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 want to have some fun they have these things called wish lists now there's a couple of normal wish list things like microphones and a better mixer but there's one wish list thing which is probably a wish for you and not for me if it funds when it funds let's be optimistic when it funds we will watch the next two episodes i think uh nine and ten if i remember right i should check that i keep saying that but whatever Episodes 9 and 10, for lack of a better way of remembering, of the non-canonical Stargate animated series, Stargate Infinity. Infinity, 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 infinity. Yeah, it's pretty bad, uh, hence me being all like, "Mm, uh, ouch. Uh, But if you want to hear me say ouch many times, uh, we will then watch those two episodes, record two episodes, and drop them right here. Why is he E.T.? What's that? Well, no, ouch. ouch. Oh, ouch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Ouch. My ouch. fingers will glow and everything. It'll be pretty fantastic. So. So if you want to see Brent's <laughs> fingers glow on this audio podcast. Yes. <laughs> then you got to you got to fund. <laughs> you got to fund that wish list, baby. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, maybe I could drop the podcast artwork as like a glowing finger. Like, you know, Ooh, right, there like, you go. Yeah. Uh, hey, friends, if anybody in your life wants to listen to this, <laughs> you can tell them exactly where to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts. We are also, if you go to their website, we got a little player down in the bottom left corner. And uh, podcast aggregators, my favorite thing in the whole wide world, uh, is what you should Tell your friends to do. They can download a podcast aggregator, search for Walking Through the Stargate, and they will find us. Yes. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to let us know the biomechanical methods by which a fingertip could glow and how it is possible to uh, induce that behavior inside a human physiology if certain steps are taken, and thus these are the certain steps to allow me to then uh, adjust my human physiology such that my fingertips can glow on demand and not any other time so that I could take a picture and then post it as the album art with my fingertip glowing. How might they reach out and let us know that? Well, if you have actually met Mr. Dr. Moreau, 
oh. and, and 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 you've visited his island yes. and 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 you know with his like bucket on his head and you know his weird pasty white skin for whatever reason uh why because marlon brando is weird that's why uh and yeah drunk <laughs> But anyway, if you know Dr. Moreau and you have skills at gene splicing and and able to turn Brent's finger into the butt of a lightning bug, Uh -uh. Uh (laughs) then you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Yes. They could do that. They could do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, for uh, everybody but me. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. I was the one who asked for it, though, I guess. So, you know. You, you asked I sure how did. it could happen. Yep. So, all right. You could also, of course, go to Facebook, uh, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page. Go like and, and uh, follow that and, and join the Facebook group and uh, join the various conversations and memes that pop up there. Yes. Uh, you can, uh, of course, turn in your predictions for the episodes. Uh, on there you can also go to our discord channel and join the various conversations that are happening uh on discord all yep. the time yep uh if you are not on discord and you want to find our discord channel then you go to our website which is wtts.space space nice thank you and then you click on the discord link which is up in the top right and that'll take you to uh our discord channel and then you can do all of the things there that we do and of course, as Brent talked about, if you want to support the podcast, go to buy me a coffee. Um, so, Brent. Yeah. This is episode 192. Yes. Which means that we are approaching 200. Yes. Eight episode warning, friends. Yes. Uh, and so get your your uh, sock puppets prepared. Yes. And uh, by all means, if you get those done, you can start emailing those to us uh right well, away but did we tell them what they wanted what we wanted them to say oh i don't remember did we? i don't think so all right we'll tell them uh what was it it was what was it i can't even remember it was questions about uh see, see we should us? we should have talked about this oh, it was ask me anything that's what it was it was literally ask us anything that's what it was so get your sock puppet and have your sock puppet ask us a question any question and i said to uh zach and to david that I guarantee, I think we did go over this, maybe, um, I guarantee I will answer every question. I guarantee it. Any question. I mean, it may or may not be truthful. I didn't. It may I had, or may yeah. not be sensical. I, nobody but said. But it will be answered. I, that's exactly what I committed to. Yep. <laughs> uh, and and, and, and uh, I, I, I will put one little asterisk on that. Uh, all of your questions need to be PG-13. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the right to edit very freely. So just yep. know that. Yep. But uh, even if your questions are rated R or worse, uh, I might have some fun trying to chop that up and make it <laughs> make it clean <laughs> well, and, okay. then, and then try to answer. So, you know, have some fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, seriously, any question that you have about us, the podcast, uh, what we think of the show, uh, what we think of. It's just about anything, you know, any question you can ask any question. So uh, how then it would work? Uh, I'm going to shoot from the hip. Zach, you can correct me on some of the details. You okay. uh, take take your cell phone and you throw open your camera app and you click it to the video thing. And then you do one very important thing. And you, you turn put it horizontal horizontally. That's right. And if you've got a stand, great. If not, you can put it up against a stack of books. If you don't have books, 
Well, okay. Um, but uh, you know what I'm getting at. Just you keep it keep it steady, and then uh, you put your little sock puppet up there. You don't have to be in frame. In fact, when we respond, I don't think we will be in frame. It's just going to be our, our little sock puppets. Just refer, just just talking back. So you get your little sock puppet, and you could just say, "Hey, Brett. Hey, Zach. I have a question. What's your favorite kind of peanut butter?" And I'll answer, and so that you can do that. Yeah, and then email it to us at walkingthestargate.com. Yes. You know, another W-A-O, another way of doing that no, um, because yeah. this is post COVID. Everybody has this thing called Zoom, right? Oh yeah, and you can use Zoom to record yourself from your Zoom camera. Uh, you don't even sure. have to like like enter like a, a, an actual conversation with anybody else. You can just have it up there and then use that as your camera. So that's another way of doing it. Sure. Um, uh, so if you uh, are struggling with your phone, finding a place to balance it, uh, then you can use your, your, your computer and your computer's camera and, and all of that stuff. Uh, and if you want to do that and you're struggling to figure out how, you can just uh, email us at walkingthroughthestargate yep. at gmail.com and, and I can help walk you through that. I've done that before. And, one uh, and other, David can help you with that too. One other rule that I'm realizing, I can't remember what our time limit was on the question. I think a minute. Like, I think if you're going more than 60 seconds, you're asking a too complicated, too complicated of a question. And so if you do go over 60 seconds, I once again reserve the right to edit your thing down to. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I about this. And then we just answer the question, right? You take your two minute long question and chop it into separate words to create the question that we want. And then we answer that. (laughs) one. Yeah. 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 That's how that works. Saying that's if you want to do it differently, you can get your own podcast. That's how that's how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, and and for our two hundredth episode, we will have a uh, a special uh, video cast of it. Um, may even do it live. Maybe, Maybe. that one. It's I I, I kind of have my doubts about our ability to actually succeed at that. But uh, Zach seems optimistic. So so I, I I understand like some of the basics to make that happen, but then it's just a matter of like getting all of the the ducks in a row. Yes. And if your ducks are like my ducks, they're 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 not in a row. Uh, they're not even all in the same pond. They tend um, <laughs> to wander a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so anyway, this is your uh, eight episode warning. Yes. For that. All right, Brent. Yeah. This is Avalon Part Two. Yes, it is. And it is time to dig into the background facts. Are you yes, ready? I am so ready. Let's go. Okay. So the director and teleplay is the same. Andy Makita and Robert Cooper. Yep. This is their second of four for each of them. Uh, directing and teleplay. Uh, and uh, Andy Makita does not direct the third part of this three series. Oh, but Robert okay. Cooper does do the teleplay for that. So we'll okay. hear a different name for the, the episode three. All right. For the directing. But anyway. Cast members, right? I do need to talk about Bo Bridges. Sure do. Uh, he plays Major General Hank Landry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a... Oh, I didn't write who this was by. Anyway, this is an IMDb mini mini biography by somebody. Somebody. Um, it was a, kind of a weird name, but I didn't get it written down. Anyway. Yeah, that's okay. So, Bo Bridges was born in Hollywood and is the son of actor Lloyd Bridges and his wife. That's... I guess a good, good. thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Who was his college sweetheart, Aww. Dorothy Dean Bridges? Okay. So that was Lloyd's college sweetheart, Dorothy, is yes. his wife. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The grammar there is not necessarily as clear as it could it's be. It's a little clunky. Yeah. Anyway, born just two days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, he was delivered by candlelight Whoa. because of a power blackout. Okay. Wow. 
He was named Lloyd Vernet Bridges III. Oh. His parents immediately started calling him Bo after Ashley Wilkes's son in Gone with the Wind. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, a book that they were reading at the time. His younger brother, actor Jeff Bridges, was born in 1949 uh-huh. and a sister, Cindy Bridges, the following year. Okay. Although he's only 5'10", Bo Bridges played basketball for UCLA his freshman year. Oh. And the following year, he transferred to the University of Hawaii, mm-hmm. but dropped out to pursue acting and got his first major role in 1967. Mm-hmm. During his first marriage to Julie Landfield, they adopted Casey Bridges and then had Jordan Bridges. Mm-hmm. He and his second wife, Wendy Treese Bridges, have three children from this marriage, Dylan, Emily, and Ezekiel. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Bo likes to play guitar and collects Native American percussion instruments. Hmm. He also loves the ocean, including swimming and surfing. He is also active in environmental causes and handgun control. Uh-huh. Okay. He was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for television at 7065 Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California on April 7, 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just a couple of years before this episode aired. Yeah. Uh, his star is located next to the stars of his younger brother, Jeff Bridges, and his father, Lloyd Bridges. Very nice. Yep. So his first IMDb credit came in 1948. He was like eight years old or something like that. Uh-huh. No, no, not quite that. He was like three. Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 41 December yeah. of 41 he was born what was it two days after Pearl Harbor yeah two days so December 9th 1941 that sounds about right yeah so he's about seven six yeah. or seven depending six or seven. anyway he plays the character Bertram in an uncredited role uh-huh. um, and, and so I had to look up what no minor vices was about yeah uh, and so Here's the plot line. Perry Ashwell is a self-satisfied child psychologist who takes his colleagues and wife somewhat for granted. Okay. So confident is he of his position that he introduces rich, attractive painter Octavio Quaglini to his office and home. Uh Quaglini is no respecter of convention, and April Ashwell is extremely attractive. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know why I'm groaning so much. It's just like, you know, I, I think that uh, choosing the word minor <laughs> in relation to a child psychologist, it's like, nah, I don't know if that's the right one to use. They probably did that intentionally, but whatever. Okay, uh, yeah. great. I'm um, assuming that April is Perry's wife. I, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. anyway, um, in any case, this only got like five and a half on IMDb. Sure. So. There you Probably go. Probably not that good. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we have various guest actors. Claudia Black is, of yep. course, is return. Obi and Defu. Yep. And Defo. Uh, and s- sadly, this is be the last time we see Obi in the show. Aww. I know. Uh, okay. I've, uh, I've let's always stick a pin appreci- in that. Got to write that down. Okay. Uh, I've always appreciated his work and that character. Yeah. Um, and I do remember that we talked in the past uh, that that uh, since. Uh, ending his run in in Stargate, he has had some pretty major health issues with a, a, some sort of accident. Oh um, wow! Okay, um, yeah. and I can't remember all the details of that, but uh, all things considered, he's doing I think reasonably well today. Uh, we have Bill Dow returning as Doctor B Lee. Bill yes. Lee, 
uh, Lieutenant Marks is being reprised by Mark Christopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him for the first time last week. Okay, yes. Right. Okay, so now we have April Tellick, who plays Salas, right? This is the, the woman that Vala jumps into. Yeah. Okay, so here is her mini-biography from The Promotion People. Oh, okay. Award-winning film and television actress April Tellick was born and raised in North Vancouver, British Columbia. After landing her first modeling gig at the age of 10, hmm, okay, uh, April quickly realized her love for the camera, and while growing up as a child actor and international model, April was enrolled in a super achievers program designed specifically for kids with professional careers in school. Uh-huh. Upon graduation, she decided to commit herself full-time to the craft, to quote, the craft, and hasn't stopped working <laughs> since. Oh, the craft. Right. Now, I wonder if in, there's a bunch of them. in 1994, April went open. on to win the title of Miss Canada, which took her to 17 international competitions, including Miss Asia Pacific in the Philippines mm -hmm. and Miss Top Model of the World. Oh, in wow. Istanbul, Turkey. She has also had the honor of being titled Hottest Canadian Talent hmm. on the web and was voted First Wave Babe of the Month on more than one occasion. You know, I, I hear that Tylenol and or ibuprofen can break the fever so she doesn't have to be the hottest. Uh, you know, I think that's really an appropriate thing. You know, uh, yeah. my, my go-to medicine tends to be ibuprofen. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know. You got to look after your own health there, friends. That's right. That's right. You know, so so if you're sick, take a yeah. day off. And then I, I'm really pleased to hear that she was involved with uh, with the independent music scene so early on. That's pretty great. First wave is, you know, that's good stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Now, April's longevity as a film and television actor has led her to work on numerous projects over the year. Uh, over the years, she has worked with some of Hollywood's top A-list talents in feature films such as there's a long list here. Not going, I'm just going to kind of skip around here. Mr. Troop Mom, uh -huh. uh, Gray Matters, uh -huh. White Noise. Uh -huh. uh, she's got television credits, uh, including a recurring role as Nell on Hell on Wheels from AMC. Uh -huh. uh, she was co-starring in the Canadian hit show Robson Arms uh -huh. in 2005. Uh, the last two seasons of Sasha on that show, mm -hmm. lots of other things. So some of the roles April is most proud of include A&E's Emmy Award winning Mo, uh -huh. Flight 93 in 2006, uh, where she played Liz Glick, the wife of one of the heroes slash passengers on the ill-fated United Flight 93 that yeah. met its demise on September 11th. Mm hmm uh let's see here she's done various other things uh she worked behind the camera for the unauthorized story of mork and mindy mm. uh aka <laughs> the mork and mindy story uh-huh okay right all right and uh most recently uh you can tell where this is written uh as janet in amazon falls in 2010 uh-huh and she won multiple awards for that no okay. I, I won a number a number <laughs> A, a number, number of awards. Zero is a number. 74 is a number. <laughs> Somewhere in between zero and 74. You know, <laughs> you know, the square root of negative one is a number. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, oh gosh. Oh my gosh. It's imaginary. It's an irrational number. That's it. That's it. Thank you. Wow. Think, no, it's, it's an imaginary number. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Irrational would be something like 
pie, which that, goes on forever. Okay. Yeah, 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 no, right, right. yeah. So it's imaginary. Uh, anyway, imaginary. Okay. All right. So despite her hectic schedule between acting and being a mom, April served as a director on the board for the Lionsgate Hospice Society for three years. Very nice. She became passionate about the Hospice Society when her aunt was diagnosed with a terminal illness and passed away at St. James Cottage Hospice in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very involved in the capital campaign to raise funds, over $7 million. Very nice. For the first freestanding hospice on the North Shore. Uh, and okay. she's done a bunch of other things with that. She resides in the North Shore with her recently desi- in her recently designed and renovated home with her husband, Jamie Campbell, and daughter, Ava. Very nice. Yeah. So she has a whopping 142 credits on IMDb. Whoa, okie So, you know, she's had a prolific career. Yeah. Uh, her Good first her. IMDb credit came way back in 1995 in the TV movie Deadlocked Escape from Zone 14. Zone 14. Where she plays the blonde singer. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Stephen Park, who plays her, uh, uh, Salas's wife, Herod. Uh, He's known for War, The Pink Panther, and In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. Okay. All in the mid-2000s. He played Controller in the season four episode, The Other Side, on Uh, on, on, uh, SG-1. On SG-1. The Other Side, side, that would be the one with uh, uh, René Aubergenois. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, and so yeah. he was presumably one of the guys. One of the guys clicking the... buttons back there. Yep. Yep. So his first IMDb credit came in the TV series Boys Over Flowers. Oh, okay. In 1996, mm-hmm. he played Rui Hanazawa. This is a, a uh, anime series. And so he played uh, the English okay. voice gotcha. for that in 19 episodes yeah. of that. Gotcha. Okay. So we have uh, Paul Moniz de Sa. Who plays Fannis. Mm-hmm. And here is his very own mini biography. Oh, okay. Written by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Moniz de Sa has been working as a professional actor for over 20 years, both on camera and on stage. His work has been seen on stages across North America, including the Vancouver Playhouse, the National Arts Center, and at Charlottetown Festival in PEI. Mm-hmm. Paul has also worked as a sound designer for various theater companies in Vancouver, including Bard on the Beach, the Arts Club Theater, and Touchstone Theater. He received Jesse Awards for his performances in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with Pacific Theater, Mm -hmm. and The Overcoat at the Vancouver Playhouse, as well as Jesse nominations for his performance in Driving Miss Daisy at Pacific Theater Mm -hmm. and his sound designs for One in a Million, with Green Thumb Theater and The Prodigal Son with Touchstone and Pacific Theater. Hmm. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Paul began his theatrical training at Arts Umbrella when he was 16 and continued on to study at the prestigious Studio 58 at Langara College. Paul has also made a career as an instructor teaching sound design and acting both on and off the camera. With organizations such as Bard on the Beach, Douglas College, the Shed Bolt Center, and Learning Through the Arts. Mm-hmm. From 2008 to 2022, Paul was the Artistic Director of Theater, Music, and Film at Arts Umbrella, where he continues to direct in the pre-professional theater program. Paul lives in Burnaby with his wife and son. Very nice. So, who was Fannis? 
he was the oh, friend the guy. of yeah, 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 the, the guy, right? Yep, 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 yep. Right. He he was he was the other guy who yep. was a heretic. Yes. Right. So his first IMDb credit came in 1998 in the TV series X Files. Uh huh. He played clinician number two in the episode The End. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Right. Uh, next on our list is Lexa Doig. I'm sorry, this is a long list, but it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. And she plays Dr. Carolyn Lamb. Mm-hmm. This, I, I'm just fascinated by this name. The mini biography was written by Ram Dahl. Ram Dahl. R-O-M-D-O-L-L. One word. Ram Dahl. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Lexa Doig. Toronto native Alexandra Doig was born on June 8th to Filipino mother Gloria and Irish-Scottish father David. Uh Her parents held season tickets to their local theater, and Lexa was inspired to begin acting after seeing a production of Porgy and Bess at the age of nine. Mm -hmm. She dropped out of high school in grade 13, did modeling and commercial work, and hosted YTV's Video and Arcade Top 10 in 1991, with friend Gordon Michael Woolvet. Mm. Her first professional job came at the age of 19 when she was cast opposite William Shatner and Greg Evigan in Tech War. Ah. She went on to appear in several projects for both the big and small screens, including CI5, The New Professionals in 1998, Jungle Ground in 95, and No Alibi in 2000, mm-hmm. before landing a lead role in Jason X, 2001, the 10th installment of the Friday the 13th series. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Jason 10. I guess it's 10. I guess it's 10. Um, shortly after she captured the title role in Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, mm-hmm. starring as the Andromeda Ascendant's sophisticated artificial intelligence system, she has also completed guest stints on several popular television shows, including Traders, Earth Final Conflict, The Chris Isaac Show, and the Chris Isaac Show. Theater credits include Arsenic and Old Lace and Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. In her spare time, Lexa enjoys reading, rollerblading, and playing RPG video games. Reading, rollerblading, RPGs. Yep. Uh, including Dungeons and Dragons being her favorite. Of course. Okay. She currently resides in Vancouver, British Columbia with her husband, Michael Shanks. Oh. Her children, Mia and Samuel, and two cats. Okie dokie. I guess I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I, was, I was waiting for that one. Yeah, so so this is now the second time yes. that uh, Michael Shanks' wife yes. has starred in the show. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Okay, here you go. Here's your here's your top tip. Here's your walking through the Stargate top tip. If you want to sh- appear in a future Stargate installment, you got to marry Michael Shanks. Yeah, that that's a sim- that's simple as that. Now, I mean, it um, seems to be the thing that works the best. I was listening to the commentary last night and they were saying that uh uh lexa did go in uh specifically to audition uh and and she wanted to make sure that she went through the audition process because she didn't want to just be given this role uh based on who her husband is um and such yeah Uh, and i appreciate that yep uh so her first imdb credit came in 1993 in the tv series uh, the hidden room she played second girl in the episode, Marion and Jean. Must have been Jean. M- must have been Jean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now we have uh, Greg Anderson, who plays the Ori administrator, right? This yeah. is the guy who is 
walking around, hallowed are the or the or I. Yeah, he's and real, I'm he's, going to burn yeah. you at the stake because yeah, the things say so. He's real. He's real. Pick me up. Yeah, he's. So, anyway, he was born in 1961 in New Brunswick, Canada. He's known for SG-1, the 4400, and Strange Luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, working on Stargate was some of his last work recorded on IMDb. Oh, okay. So, I don't know if he retired, if he decided to do theater stuff. I don't know. Don't know. Um, but he also was uh, in the episode Failsafe. He played Dr. Weber hmm. in that episode. Okay. Uh, Failsafe is the one with the giant uh, Naquita asteroid that's coming for Earth. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Greg's first IMDb credit came in uh, 1990 in the TV series Super Force. He played the character Splat member. That's S dot P dot L dot A dot T dot member. Splat. <laughs> awesome. And he was in two episodes of that. The episodes Gravity's Rainbow Parts 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, we will see Greg Anderson again, um, probably in Origin and in other episodes. Sure. Yep. Uh, okay. So then we have Mark Houghton, who plays the Ori Prior at the uh-huh. very end. Yes. And he also has his very own IMDb mini bio. Okay. Mark is an American actor slash filmmaker trained in Los Angeles and New York that has performed on stage in New York, Los Angeles, and London, England. Mm -hmm. Some of those productions include lead roles in Shepard's True West, Mm -hmm. Beckett's Waiting for Godot, Mm -hmm. Shakespeare's uh, Timon of Athens, Mm -hmm. and Marnette's The Shawl. Mm -hmm. In 2006, Houghton produced, wrote, and directed his first film, Hum!, the Descent of the Universal into the Human Heart. Oh. Uh, he is based in Los Angeles and has numerous projects in various stages of development. Very good. There you go. His first IMDb credit came in 1987 when he plays Jane's Pub. I don't know exactly how that works. In the huh. movie Hungry Heart. Okay. I guess the pub is, uh, is, is sentient. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, okay, so this episode aired on July 22, 2005, one uh-huh. week after uh, last week's episode. In the U.S., they were still listening to Mariah Carey sing We Belong Together. Yep. Uh, and in the U.K., they were listening to James Blunt sing You're Beautiful. You're beautiful! So beautiful! I didn't You're do a beautiful. good job. But he also has this, yeah. like, this, like... I don't know. I did. I could. I. I did not get into that song. Everybody else did. Hoy. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, given that uh, you know we are listening to "You're Beautiful" right now, yeah. Bo- oh, number yeah. one in the box office, or are we listening to "We Belong Together"? No. 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 Yeah, we're listening to "You're Beautiful." It's still going. It's still oh, okay. as sappy as it ever was. Oh yes. Well, you know what else is not sappy? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Although some elements of it probably are sappy. Near the end. Um, yeah. yeah and I, I, you know. fair, I, I've never seen this one. I saw the original. Yeah. And that has some sappy stuff at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I assume this one does too. But I don't know. I mean, this this is Johnny Depp. So who knows? I mean, you know, Roald Dahl, he's not exactly known for his like sappy nature of his stories. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's not true. That sappy. But, but, you know, the, <laughs> the, the kid does like become a the owner and oh, operator yes. of a 
major international chocolate company I mean, when it's all said and done. So, you know. implied, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyway, but you know where things are sappy? At where? weddings. Oh, yes. And you know, when things are too sappy, you need a crasher to stop things up. <laughs> uh-huh. Wedding crashers is still number two. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when you have your wedding crashers, which is two people, and you have your bride and your groom, which is two other people, yeah. that's four. And that makes a fantastic four. Wow, that's a stretch. That is a real stretch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Reed Richards yep. does stretch. That's so right. it works. Yeah, I, 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 thank you for hitting that softball. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm all about the low-hanging fruit. Uh-huh. Speaking of fruit, and speaking of Dr. Moreau from earlier, the island is number four. That's actually a good one. I like that one. It, it's actually a completely different island. But anyway, yes. Dr. Moreau does happen on an island and, it's you know, true. fruit and all that stuff. Anyway, you know what's also on this island? Probably. I've never seen the movie, but I'm going to guess so. There are bears on it. And these are bad news bears. Bad news bears. That's bad news. That's bad news. You're beautiful. Love you. <laughs> You're beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. Now, yeah. We do need to shift a little bit um as we move into what was happening at this time because uh-huh. this gets a little bit more serious. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. Now, uh the first one is good news, right? On July 20th, Canada becomes the fourth country in the world to legalize same-sex marriage uh-huh. after the bill C38 receives its royal assent. Very good. So that's good. Yep. However, on July 24, we have four terrorist bombers targeting London's public transportation system exactly 2 weeks after the July 7 bombings. Oh dear. All four bombs fail to detonate, which I guess is a good thing leading yes. to the capture of all the bombers. But yes, that's still, also good. yeah, ew, ew, bad, bad. Uh, so on July twenty second, uh, Jean or Jean Charles Jean Charles de Menez Jean Charles de Menzes yes is killed by police as the hunt begins for the London bombers. Uh huh. See July seven, two thousand five yeah. London bombings and July twenty one for the London bombings. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then on July twenty third, three bombs explode, unrelated to the other stuff. I think. In the Nama base area of Sharm el Sheikh, Egypt, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. killing 88 people. Jeez Louise. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're listening to this, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Just be nice. All right. Be, be nice. Be kind. Uh, no, I, I don't like the word nice because nice, you can be really nice and be a jerk. Be yes, kind. Yes. Yes. Be kind to kind. one another. Be kind to yourself. Just be kind. Be kind. Doesn't matter who you are, who you're talking to. Be kind. So, I have some trivia for this episode. Yeah. So, this is the first episode of the entire series with zero involvement of any kind from Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Big deal. So, he stepped down, of course, as the lead series lead and as the executive producer. Um, And so, there you go. Yep. Uh, and then, as of Avalon Part 2, Christopher Judge has now officially appeared in more episodes than any other cast member. Okay. Uh, the only episode from which he was absent was Prometheus Unbound. Mm-hmm. And so, prior to that, he was tied with Amanda Tapping, but, uh, uh, you know, she's... She didn't missed, show up in this she one. She didn't show yeah. up in this one, so he has taken over the lead there. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, according to IMDB, or maybe it's the Stargate Wiki, I can't remember where I pulled this from, but the names Herod and Salus are references to the film When Harry Met Sally. Ah, uh, okay. Which certainly is plausible. It is plausible. 
but it's not a guarantee. I mean, you know, anyway. So, also, uh, the puzzle that Mitchell works on uh, that was created by Merlin was presumably sometime around the lifetime of King Arthur, which would put it in the 5th or 6th century yeah. AD. Yeah. Um, however, the Arabic numbers of 1 through 8 and their reflections, blah, yeah. blah, blah, did <laughs> yeah. not reach Europe until the 10th century at the yeah. earliest. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 this was a puzzle that was created by the ancients. But why would the ancients then use in Europe? Mm-hmm. Because this is the guy, I mean, assuming this is Merlin uh, Mirden, who was Morris yeah. or whatever. He mm-hmm. was the guy that was poo-pooing that whole uh, time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if he was poo-pooing the time travel stuff, there's no reason that he would have known that the Arabic numerals, although superior to Roman numerals and such, uh, would have actually made it into Europe at any time. So... Uh, under, uh, acknowledged and understood and recognizing that uh, constantly uh, attributing uh, uh, human technological advancements on aliens can be troublesome sometimes. Who says that the Arabic numerals were invented by people from Arabia? <gasps> Just wow. saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, so, it so here's, here, here's really my question. Yeah. Is that why did they only have the Roman, the Arabic numerals one through eight? I, because somebody had to write a puzzle and somebody had to write a cliffhanger and somebody had to write a solution that worked. <laughs> no, I, I, have a, I have a better answer. Yeah. <laughs> because that pillar only held eight slots. Oh, yeah. It was only big enough for eight numbers. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the ancient system of numbering and things ah, it's is a, it's a, a base, base eight. eight mm-hmm. Yeah. Which would make the one symbol their zero. Maybe, yes. may, maybe their base eight numbers just happen to look like Arabic numbers. Uh, it, yes. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe somebody saw those uh, base eight numbers and said, oh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty clever way of numbering things. I'll, I'll, I'll borrow that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the title for this episode in various languages yeah. is Avalon part two. Except yeah. in French, they call it the treasure of Avalon part two. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the, the Italians call it a new adventure part two. Uh oh! I see that the Germans are missing from here. I wonder if they call it. It's still going to keep going. Uh, they they, they call this. Unresolved. We're going to another galaxy. Going to another galaxy. We're going far, far, far away. <laughs> but importantly, we're going to go past some planets so that you know we're traveling far, far away. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready for the synopsis, Brent? Yeah. Let's dive in. All right. Here we go. Previously on Stargate SG One. Lieutenant Colonel Cameron Mitchell joins the SGC and is given command of SG-1. Woo! He wants to get the band back together, but he is struggling. Oh. oh. Vala shows up with a tablet leading to a treasure. Woo! And she traps Daniel with some gold bracelets so she gets her fair share. Oh. oh. The treasure is both ancient and Arthurian Woo-hoo. and is in a cave under Glastonbury Tor. Woohoo! And there are some ancient puzzles that they need to solve before the ceiling crushes and kills them into pancakes. Oh. And now. (laughs) I did not plan that, but it worked so well. All right. And now. Jackson solves the puzzle in the room where he and Vala are trapped. Woohoo. The ceiling raises (laughs) and the door opens. Woohoo. (laughs) <laughs> hey if you're gonna keep the bit going you're all, you're on your own there big guy <laughs> okay. okay they run to check on mitchell and teal and they're panicking a bit but then mitchell realizes that his puzzle is a bunch of numbers and they're mirror images and so he puts them in the order and they survive their trial 
Woohoo! <laughs> so, in the main chamber, Mitchell figures that they can now pull the sword from the stone. And he succeeds! Yay! And then he sees the knight appearing with a sword, and, and the sword fight begins. Uh-huh. Oh, dear. Fight, 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 fight. He's going to fail! He's going to fail! Oh. <laughs> but then he remembers past struggles through adversity, and then he wins! Because that's exactly how that works! ha ha ha! Ha 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 Hey, it's TV magic, okay? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, that, that is the most cheesy TV magic of TV magic. Uh, you know, and, you know, strangely good things happen to our heroes. And by definition, Cam Mitchell is now one of our heroes. That's true. That is true. And then nothing happens. Oh, man. So Daniel hypothesizes that since Mitchell defeated the knight, the rest should just ring up to the Prometheus. And so then whatever will happen will happen. So they do. And then the whole cave structure begins to quake. Yep. Oh, no. Mitchell's like, dang it. And he rings up to the ship quickly. Daniel realizes that, uh, Vala, you stole a coin from their puzzle Vala. room. Bad. Bad Vala. <laughs> so Mitchell takes the coin and rings back, puts the coin back in, in the place, and the quaking stops. Mm-hmm. But still, no treasure. Then Mitchell gets an idea and he returns the sword to the stone. And sure enough, that was the trick for the treasure to appear. And the team returns to begin cataloging, cataloging all the stuff. There's lots of gold and trinkets. Vala loves these. Daniel finds an old dusty book that says that the ancients, they called themselves the Altarans, you know, because it serves to show that they weren't always called the ancients. Uh, anyway, they didn't actually evolve in this galaxy, but instead came from another galaxy, which means there may be other ancients, I mean Altarans, in another galaxy that have cool tech, and maybe they didn't ascend, and maybe they could share with us. It's time for another quest! Mm-hmm. Tilk also finds a very interesting device that looks very ancient, and very different from all of the other treasures found in the cave. One of these things is not like the other. Uh-huh. Now... Daniel and Dr. Lee do some research and they discover that this ancient device appears to be some kind of communication device and is supposed to be used with those fancy stones that connected O'Neill and Joy, Joe, uh, not Joy, Joe, for maybe he was Joey. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to go with Joe. For several years, you know, see Citizen Joe from season eight, you know, Mitchell read that file. It was very interesting. Daniel hopes that they'll be able to talk to real live Altarans and learn really cool stuff. And so, everyone leaves the lab except Daniel and Vala, because Vala insists on going with him. Uh, even though they're not going to go anywhere, they're just going to talk to people. Right. They take the stones and they place them into the device. And they immediately collapse to the floor. Boom. Darn. Now, Dr. Carolyn Lamb discovers that right now the two of them are in no particular danger. They appear to be in some kind of enhanced REM sleep. And so she just continues to monitor their situation. As for the rest of the team... They wonder what to do next. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Tilk has duties on Dakara. He is distracted with all the adventuring on Earth, and Rachnor calls him on it. You need to be here! This is where the stuff's going on! All right, anyway, long story short, Garrett convinces the Jaffa that they will be ruled by a high council, and representation on the council will be determined by military strength, which just so happens to make, to make Garrick the leader of the Jaffa nation. No, no. Oh, yeah, this is not going to come by, bite him in the butt later on. No, not no at all. No way. Okay, back to the main story. 
Daniel and Vala appear in a strange living room in a strange house. At first, they don't recognize each other because it appears that their consciousness has entered the bodies of two people, Herod and Salas. Mm-hmm. They can move around in these bodies, but they don't have any way to talk to the people whose bodies they inhabit. Mm-hmm. So they cautiously depart the house and enter some kind of town square. Nothing here looks like advanced ancient technology or culture. Hmm, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Slowly they begin putting some of the pieces together. The community worships gods called the Ori. Their religion is called Origin. They meet Fanis, who, along with Herod and Salus, is part of a small group that doesn't believe in the Ori as gods. Yes, they are heretics. Oh, and the Ori, they do have actually real power. We don't doubt their power, just their intentions, right? We don't think that they're truthful in their claims of being like gods and such. Now... Daniel and Vala reveal who they are to Fanis. Remarkably, Fanis accepts their story at face value. Unfortunately, Salas is supposed to have tea with the administrator's wife, and so to avoid any additional suspicion, Vala needs to go drink tea. While Vala is having tea, Fanis and Daniel continue to discuss various other things. And then there's a commotion outside. Apparently, there is a right and a wrong way to drink tea, Mm. and Vala did it wrong. Yeah. The whole town, led by the administrator, has determined that Salas is possessed, or or something, and so she must be cleansed with fire. She will either spend eternity with the Ori because she's repented, or she'll just be dead. Either way, she'll just be dead. Got a lot of those options. Eh. That's 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 how ordeals. That's how they work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So understandably, Vala begins to panic, and so does Daniel. Back at the SGC, both Vala and Daniel's heart rates begin to skyrocket. Vala is in some really, really serious distress. Understandable. She's just about ready to get burned at the stake. Well, in the, the, the pyre, the funeral pyre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the fiery oil is drawing closer and closer to Vala. She's crying desperately for help. Daniel has been restrained, but quickly tries to explain everything. They just want to talk. We're just from a different planet, different galaxy. The flames get closer. Vala's clothes begin to ignite. Vala's heart rate goes up dangerously so. Dr. Lee tries unsuccessfully to remove the stones uh, from the device. Mitchell wants to shoot them out, but Lee prevents him, which I guess is a good thing. Maybe. Who knows? That, that's actually a very... Shooting things is not... Yeah. No. Yeah, hey, carry yeah, on. You know, because as he has said to Tilk in the previous episode, bullets bounce! The, his... Yeah. Yep. But anyway, Vala begins screaming as her body is enveloped in flames. Daniel can do nothing but watch on in horror. Vala dies. Mm-hmm. Burned to death. Jackson's vitals drop and he's stable for now. Dr. Lamb is concerned about those bracelets because Jackson is still linked to her and she's dead. Oh boy. In the village, a strange gray clad man with a staff appears. Everyone seems to recognize what he is. Hallowed are the Ori. The crowds part, and he walks closer to the pyre. He raises his staff, and it begins to glow. And suddenly, Vala's burnt corpse begins to heal. Death is reversed. Vala breathes again. Daniel holds her close. The strange man tells them to follow him. Daniel helps Vala to her feet, and they follow him out of the village. To be continued. To be continued. Okay, Brent. Yeah. Avalon Part D. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. What'd you think? I liked it. I am ready for the next part of the story. Um, 
I didn't necessarily think too poorly of a couple of the kind of eye rolly moments, uh, you know, like the the uh, the uh, the 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 quintessentially television method of inspiring your main actor to defeat a uh, to, to defeat a nemesis by just thinking back on uh, all the hard times he had, uh, you know, like that yeah, didn't necessarily yeah, kick me yeah. out of the out of the zone necessarily, but it is pretty cheesy. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with you on that 100 percent. And I also think that resolving the puzzles like within the first 30 seconds is not not the worst problem. You know what I mean? Like, but it was it was mildly cheesy. Like, yeah, I get that they were trying to make a cliffhanger. But, you know, I mean, like like when when the when the actual um, threat of the character's existence is like it's just a cheesy um, it's a cheesy cliffhanger. Like, you know, they're going to be back next week. So why pretend like they might die? Like, you know, how are they going to get out? Yeah. okay, but it's not quite as powerful as as I think that they want it to be. So whatever. Yeah. We'll look at it past it. Um, I am very intrigued about this. uh, This uh, or I. What was he a priest or what was he? He was a thing. He was a dude. Prior is what we'll prior. Yeah. Learned that yet, but it'll come. Sure. Uh, he at the moment, I mean, uh, he looks like a good guy and I know that it's probably going to get complex and it's probably going to get weird here fast, but it also kind of starts to insinuate that the, that the bad guys are the ancients or at least a version of them. Uh, so that'll be fun. I think that might be all right. I am not looking forward to more time travel stuff because I think that's what happened with the staff. Quit it. Quit it. <laughs> I don't think they're going to stop, Zach. Um, but um, so so um, I, I'm not going to comment on the time. travel <laughs> stuff. Uh, but I will say that um, I, I, I think what matters most is not uh, particularly the mechanisms of what was used to save Vala's life. But that Vala was in fact dead, and that Prior came in and did something, and now she's alive again. But not only is she alive, also her clothes are back. That was time turning. There was some timey, timey, wimey, wibbly wobbly stuff that happened in a localized fashion. That also then was not localized because she is dead, and she knew it. I don't. Uh, you just introduce all sorts of trouble when you start doing that stuff. Quit it. All right. Unless you're going to be a primer. If you're going to do primer, I'm with you. If you're not going to do primer, stop it. So they're not going to stop. They're just going to keep doing it. Uh, Okay. I got a big beef, though. A really big beef. Look, either we drop the Jaffa storyline or we give it credence. None of the quit it with this bananas. Walk a few characters through a room. Have them look sternly at each other and talk for a bit and pretend like you're advancing the storyline. Like, that's this has got to stop. This is not doing a service to that thing. And, you know, I'm glad that they did bring up the sort of the weird cult, the cognitive dissonance problem of why is Tilk spending so much time with his Tari friends? And I think they did an OK thing with the way over the top. If this were in real life, the statement would have been way over the top, but it's not real life. And he's a hero. So, like, you know, Tilk going out to prove to. I don't know who all the Jaffa that his friendship with the Tari is the right move. Then. Okay. Okay. It's dumb. I don't like it. If it were, if I were reading this as like a book and I was like halfway through the book, I would think that that was kind of a weird 
direction to go. It would be a little cheesy, but it's a television show and I'm willing to buy it. But what I'm really kind of tired with is this whole like pretending like we are doing the Jaffa storyline service by having some screen time. Gosh, how much time did they get this time? Two minutes, maybe two and a half. Not much. And it was in a room, a room that we've seen probably a few dozen times. Let me rephrase this ever since. um, Wow, I am struggling to think the last time when we saw the Jaffa actually like engaged in something other than standing around a room. Um, It's been a long time. It's been probably not since like roughly halfway through season eight. Yeah. Um, So I will say that um, the story of the the Free Jaffa Nation figuring out what is going on, how things are going to work, will get fleshed out more in future episodes. Uh, Whether or not it will get to a point and be done in a way that will satisfy you, I can't say with certainty. But I can say that um, that that uh, that is coming. Um, I'm not going to debate you. I mean, your your critique there of of the Jaffa kind of getting short shrift um, is a legit critique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm not going to uh, downplay that. Sure. That said, uh, we will uh, get more Jaffa stuff. Um, so then, you know, and they'll get uh, a more center stage with some stories. Uh, so we'll just have to wait for those and you'll have to decide whether or not they do justice from your perspective. I think, yeah, I think that the thing that I'm really annoyed with is how dependent the storytellers are with assuming that the audience will be invested in the Jaffa storyline with these continued little tiny, just blips of information uh, told to us and not shown to us. Right. I think part of what's going on for good or for ill is that uh, the Jaffa are not the story that they want to tell. I mean, okay, but then drop it. And I mean, I know what you're saying. I I, I understand what you are saying. I'm um, coming at it from being like, be creative then about why you're ignoring it. And then let's move on. Let's quit it with this whole like little dribble, dribble, dribble. It's, it's just it's just a distraction at this point. I think one of the things that's also happening here um, is um, what we saw. We see this a lot in, in early 2000s television. Mm hmm where we have mostly episodic stuff that is doing one thing, and then you have a couple of scenes that have really nothing to do mm. with this one, but mm-hmm. sets up a three episodes from now, or two episodes from now, or maybe next episode. Oh, well, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. I mean, this this is very common yeah. in early 2000s uh, television. And part of what's going on here is, and of course you wouldn't know this because you haven't watched those episodes yet, but... We're learning a little bit here and a little bit there about the Jaffa because in a few episodes, there's going to be a thing. There's going to be a thing. And, and it's going to so involve these uh, things, what's his face. Yeah. You know, you know. we're going to need to know this stuff. Um, you know, frankly, it there there are better and worse ways of doing that. Um, and I thought, thought in almost all the situations in early 2000s television, uh, this way of doing it was um, pretty clunky. Uh, in just about every show, and this is just yet another example. There, yeah, yeah. 
So. Well, I mean, there you go. But uh, I will say that um, if uh, if the new leader of the Free Jaffa Nation is not just a simple tailor, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> just saying it. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Without, without going into too many details, but you should probably... Uh, prepare myself uh, for disappointment. Prepare yourself for, for beige. <laughs> I think, I mean, okay, like, obviously... This is now 18 years ago, whatever, a while ago now. Uh, and they can't like go back and, and, and make that. But I think that that would have probably been a fun little thing to try and toss in. There is some reference to his like, you know, like ability to sew or something. You know what I mean? Like some some nod yeah. to the Garrick of DS9. Um, I will say that it is spelled differently. Uh, of course. Uh, in this, it's <laughs> Garrick with an E, G-A-R-E-K. And Garrick in Deep Space Nine is G-A-R-A-K. So, completely different. Yes, obviously completely different. <laughs> I can't believe you're confusing the two. Oh, my goodness. How do you think God. a Cardassian is going to be here on, on, on whatever planet we're on? What planet are we on? We've heard it a million times. Dakara? Oh, yeah, Dakara. Yeah, okay. A Cardassian on Dakara. There's too many Anyway, uh, okay. I, so you know, broadly, I'm pretty excited because, especially, I think that I think the episode did do a good job of keeping this introduction story moving forward. I am real excited to learn more about the uh, or I. Uh-huh. Um, I am. I think that uh, that uh, that the culture shift. Um, like you know setting it up to be like medieval european i think is it's pretty good uh that that i kept stumbling and kind of falling apart on that one because i was also acknowledging to myself that um i have to look at that through the eyes of like going to the ren fair and not through the eyes of a historian of uh medieval european history um like there's going to be some things that just don't line up and some things that are just kind of comically um, misunderstood about the era. But on yeah. the other, other, other hand, this is a planet in a different galaxy. <laughs> like, like it doesn't have it, to line up at all. It shouldn't be lining up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, but it's also like, yeah, what, what, what do I think? I'm going to be sitting here just like, actually, actually people in the 16th century didn't do that. It's like, yeah, it's not the 16th. <laughs> it's not the 16th century. Big guy. <laughs> um, uh, so you will see. But anyway, I, I'm I'm excited. I I thought that the uh, Arthurian treasure thing I thought was fine. Um, that uh, it, it served as a decent MacGuffin to get us the the communication device. I thought that the tie into the to the stones that were used with Citizen Joe I thought was great actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, how this is churning out to work I think is okay. Uh, that they are inhabiting the bodies of somebody else is a little bit interesting but um you know i'll run with it for now see where we go and i want to see what happens next so i am looking forward to the next episode for sure so yeah. broadly speaking i'm thinking pretty positively about this episode but about you what do you think yeah well broadly speaking uh i think this is a good episode um some of the things that make me roll my eyes uh we talked about uh, the 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 sword fight yeah. um i mean you know in terms of the the choreography and whatnot it's cool it's I good they did a fine job yep. uh you know ben browder did like all of those stunts yeah. that was all him um which was great um 
the whole idea of, oh, oh, I'm getting beaten up by a guy who actually knows what he's doing and I have no idea. Uh, right. But then I remember that I fell down once and bruised my, <laughs> my, my, my kneecap and, and now I've got to, I can do this. And then all of a sudden he comes back and like, wham, wham, wham. And then he wins. Yes. Um, that, eh, I, I wasn't impressed with that 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, 18 years ago. Um, you know, so there you go. Um, uh, you know, as you watch this episode, we realize that the whole treasure MacGuffin was entirely a MacGuffin to introduce the communication device. Yeah. And what and appears to be the case is that, like, this secret treasure was holding a whole bunch of mundane treasure and then one really unique ancient device. Um and I suppose maybe that's a way of hiding it. Uh, I guess. I, I guess. But, you know, yeah. I, I call that weak sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I call that weak sauce. Um, and, you know, then we just kind of hand wave over the fact that we see this alien device. And, uh, you know, the next scene we have Daniel Jackson saying, so we've studied it and we figured out it's a communication device, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like. Well, okay, I'll run with it because I think it would be boring for you to figure out how that's a communication device. But, you know, we really hand waved that really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the, the communication device that, that sends them into other bodies into a different place uh, sounds really fascinating. Um, it actually fits. Uh, it, it makes sense with what we learned about the stones in Citizen Joe. Um, and how they operated between those two characters. Um, so the fact that you have a specific device that's designed for them and they do something kind of the same, but a little bit different. Uh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and then you get into the, the, uh, uh, other planet. So, uh, I didn't mention this in the trivia, but that is a brand new standing set for SG-1 and Atlantis. Oh, wow. Okay. So they built that in about five weeks. Yeah. Um, And it's huge. Yeah. They had to have like a hundred extras to fill it up. Yeah. Um, But it's designed to be, you know, there, there's some modularity. Some, some oh, yeah, faces yeah, yeah. are able to move and, and be such, but it's designed to, and we'll see this again and again and again at different settings and places over the next season or so in both uh, SG-1 this season and when we get to Atlantis again in season two, maybe season three. I don't remember. No, is it going to be, um, did they, is it able to be sufficiently redressed as to not look like a medieval village or does it kind of always look like a medieval village? I, I don't recall. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think that it has the capacity. I mean, like, you know, one of the roofs has kind of a thatched roof on it. Yeah. Uh, and if you changed that to something radically different, that whole area is going to look radically different. That's true. Uh, and you might like, oh, OK, so that beam kind of looks like that beam from before because it is. But, yeah. you know, um, you know, and, and they, they're able to take the same physical room in the SGC on the sets and redress it to be the the mess hall and yeah. the, you know, uh, guest quarters and yeah. and and the the infirmary and all sorts of things uh and so 
I'm going to give them, certainly at this point in time, uh, credit in saying that they were able to redress this in, in different ways to to make it not look always like a medieval um, village. Yep. Um, so, yeah. It, um, so that's pretty cool. Um, the the introduction to the environment, uh, you know, the, the discomfort of kind of being in somebody else's skin and moving around and trying to figure things out and trying not to, you know, and I thought this was actually pretty good. Um, you know, it's very convenient that Fannis was like, oh, okay, sure, I understand what you're saying. Um, that said, they assumed that these stones, which they had a copy of, were com- some sort of communication device. They just hadn't figured out how it worked. Yep. And so to see them, people say, so, communication device, they're like, okay, yep. I can work with that. Yep. You know, they ask the question, why are we in these particular bodies? Well, we're in these particular bodies because apparently they have stones too. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that makes you go, oh, well, okay, that makes yep. sense. Yep. Why are we in these bodies? Because they have this thing. Yep. Um, and that's that's not really convenient storytelling. That's just storytelling. That's the storytelling. Um, and, you know, so it, it it's fortunate. And, you know, I, I, I could have seen Fanis very easily going like, what the heck? Yes. But he doesn't. So that's fine. Yep. Um, you know, and then we get the, the first uh, picture of the, the prior coming in. Um, and yeah, I mean, what's going on there? Um, he's clearly got some serious magic powers, uh, or what appears travel. to be magic powers. Um, and <laughs> he's, you know, time travel, would, whatever it is, he's got them. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, maybe he's got resurrection spells in that wand of his or that staff of his. I mean, hey. Hey, you know. I guess I'm just going to have to wait to find out. We will. We'll have to wait. Um, but I think I thought that was really good interest, uh, you know, interesting storytelling. Yeah, I thought killing Vala uh, in that way, while gruesome and horrific, yeah, um, was good storytelling. I thought it was effective. Uh, I thought it was for, very effective. Honestly, for a beat, I was like, actually, I don't know how many episodes uh, Vala's a part of. Like everybody might have just been like, I really like Vala because of these three episodes, and that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and. And I'm also glad that that uh, they they didn't. I, I felt it was the right amount of time to hold the tension of her death. Yeah. Right. You know, we 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 held that tension. She was dead. Um, and and then it introduced and it was used effectively to then introduce this other guy. Yeah. Uh, who comes in, and clearly everybody there knows. At least they've see, has seen this guy or somebody like this guy yeah. before. Um, and then, you know, so what's he doing here at this point in time? They're, they're like, well, we've heard of these guys. We've seen these guys around, but, but why is he here? Holy smokes. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? Uh, so then, you know, and then, then she's healed, um, which, you know, is very appropriate for, you know, his next statement is follow me, you know, I'm like, well, okay. I don't know who you are. But you popped in here and you saved my friend or you mm-hmm. saved me. These people are jerks. I don't like them. I'll see where this goes. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so, you know, all of that is was really well done. Um, we'll have to see next week what happens with uh, with where they go and all of that stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah I, 
I, I think it's a good episode. Um, I will mention that uh, uh, I really liked the scene with Landry and Dr. Lamb. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. What's right? that about? We, well, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. But clearly they've got history. They sure do. Clearly they, they got something going on. Um, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what that is. Apparently, um, Bo Bridges uh, was part of, you know, like one of the things that he's like, like, I need people to like this character and not just be okay with the fact that he's just in, in charge. Yeah. And so he insisted on this scene or a scene like this, at least, to facilitate uh, some humanity in this character, um, which that's awesome. Sure. And, you know, because there was such a tight turnaround, you know, because, you know, the, the there was what, two or three, uh, three months or so between the end of season eight and the beginning of season nine. Right. Uh, and they closed filming on season eight thinking that that was the end. And then they found out that, nope, you got more. Yep. Uh, and so that was a really fast turnaround. So Robert Cooper, who wrote this episode, was saying that, uh, you know, Bo Bridges was coming and asking questions about his character. And and Cooper was like, that's a good question. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and so Bo Bridges was able to uh, really uh, help to flesh out the the details of who that character is. Um, beyond just simply, I'm the one that has to read those lines and embody that character, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is kind of cool. You know, um, not what you would typically do. Typically, you would spend a lot more time in the writing room and flesh these characters out far more than that. But when you don't have a lot of time, uh, it's like role playing. I don't yes. have a lot of time to flesh out all of the details for yes. all of my NPCs. So yes. when I have an NPC and the character say, so What's going on? You're like, uh, I'm going to make something up. And so hope what's your deal? Oh, my gosh. I'm running a campaign with some friends and I and I and I had a care. I have a character in my lore in the, in the back of my head who I accidentally trotted out a little too early because I forgot the character's name. It was one of those oh. things of like, oh, this character exists. This is a, this is a great time for him to show up. And I'm like, no, it isn't. I forgot his name. I forgot many of his details. Uh, he walks right out. <laughs> Forget he even showed up. We're going over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I've I've got an NPC in my campaign that will shortly be introduced uh, to my characters, and I've got to be very careful about how they're, he's introduced, such that they see him not as uh, a dubious threat who has got more power than them, yeah. but like actually as an ally. You know, he's supposed to be an ally. Oh. I don't want him to kill him or try to kill him. You know, and I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember if you and I have said this on this podcast before. But I think part of the reason why, well, amongst many things, honestly, but like one of the reasons why we are so keen on thinking about the people who are responsible for telling the story is because we ourselves have been storytellers and we know yeah. how it can be tricky. It can be really. And we also recognize when people are just kind of taking an easy out. Um, and you know, that's especially when you'll hear me get really animated about something because I get it. It's a television show. You don't have time, et cetera. Like the Jaffa storyline. I'm kind of yeah. miffed about that thing, partly because I think it could be told better. And so therefore I say, well then tell it better. Um, and, it, and they're thinking, yeah, but I'm working like 70 yes. hours a week. And we've got this other well, storyline that we got to get in. This is the best I've got right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think this episode does a great job of introducing new characters, um, uh, teasing 
who uh, these Ori and the origin religion, what this is all about. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, is without, there a direct connection between Ori and origin? Uh, okay. I would say yes. I mean, as in like, it, you know, whatever. I, I'm sitting here just like, oh, is that why they call themselves the Ori? Because origin. Anyway, uh, I'll find out, know, I guess. I, I, I would say that... Whether it makes sense in universe, I don't know. I don't remember for sure. Sure. Uh, but certainly, um, because, I mean, they're speaking English. And, yes. And, you know, we need to acknowledge that they're just speaking English. Um, but certainly in English, there is a connection between Ori, yeah. O-R-I, and Origin, which starts O-R-I. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I think that's intended uh, from, from the perspective of the writers. Sure. Um, so, there you go. Uh, I don't know if I have much else to say at this point in time, really. No, um, do I, I don't think. It's a solid episode. Yeah, but it so, also feels like a middle of a story. It, it does. It yeah. does. It, it feels like um, we're coming up to the end of part two. Yeah. And there's a part three and we have to before, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But we do have to rate this episode on its own. Yes, we do. So you have seven chevrons. Yep. Ish. <laughs> how many chevrons will you give avalon part two all right so it's definitely getting merits for me being excited to watch the next episode that's for sure oh, and it's part of what it's supposed to be doing and it's definitely getting demerits though small ones for aspects of the story that i think that they probably should have spent a little bit more time on like the jaffa storyline or or if you didn't have enough time then show me the tension if you've got two minutes then show me the tension don't tell me about the tension um and it's getting demerits for some small potatoes quibbles that i have about just you know really convenient storytelling things but i'm not really gonna knock it too hard for that i definitely was invested in this story for sure when uh when the to be continued rolled across the screen i was surprised that 43 minutes had gone by already uh, I thought that the um, that the the way that they did the Daniel Jacksoning of uh, Vala was was good. I liked it. I am interested to see where we go from here for sure, from a big story point of view. Uh, I'm gonna give this. Uh, I think we're gonna give it a six. I think it's a weak six, but it's definitely like like yeah, all right, okay. Like you know, would I watch this episode again? Yeah, why not? But I probably would want to watch it as a trio. Uh, presuming that I want to watch this trio again, assuming that I enjoyed the next episode. Right. Uh, you know, but I'm getting what I'm getting at, though, is that it's like, yeah, all right. OK. All right. I can I can get behind this. Uh, this SG 1.5 business. Uh, we're setting different things up. I can I can get behind setting different things up. And it certainly is an interesting or intriguing um, background. And so I'm kind of excited to see where we go from here. So, yeah, six out of seven for me. What about you? Yeah. Um. So last week I gave that episode five and a half. Yeah. Uh, I think this episode is better than the part one. Um, but it's also kind of, you know, hard. It's it, it's kind of unfair uh, to call anything, you know, because it is literally one story. Yes. Um, uh, and it's designed to be one story. But at the same time, we need to look at these individually. Yep. Uh, so I think you're right. I would give this also a six. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's not... So, you know, it's it's not a perfect episode. I've mentioned some of the things that that 
Um, you know, I'm not too fond of. Uh, I'm not as critical about the Jaffa stuff in this story um, as you are. I wonder if that has more to do with what I know. Possibly. Or not. I don't know for sure. Um, but I understand where you're coming from, and I appreciate your critique there. Sure. Um, but uh, it is stronger than the first part and needs to be recognized as such. So I'll give it a six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very nice. Uh, I do know that we have at least a couple of Facebooks. And I got at least a couple on discords. And I know that we have at least a couple of emails. Well, then we got, we got, we got couples all over the place. Wow. Yeah. It's like Vala and Daniel. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready for some Facebooks? Yes. Hit me up. All right. We start with Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Adrian says, this is the one where Daniel finds a book with the script and reads it. Can't wait for the episode Uh three (laughs) where he does story time with it for Jack and Sam. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. It's difficult to score this as I feel it's the middle part of the story and its enjoyment is partially dependent on its conclusion. Let's say Zach five and a half and Brent five. Yeah, that's very, very respectable and quite close. Yep, very much. And then we have Paul. Who says? Hello, Paul. Zach and Brent had really great breakfasts today. I did. This will perk up their day, and today's episode will be that much better for them. You know, I had uh, crumpets today. Did you? I had uh, had a breakfast sandwich. Ah, oh, that sounds Mm -hmm. tasty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul continues. However, as previously stated, new team equals awkward beginnings. They both give it a five. Yeah. I mean, that's respectable. A little higher. Yeah. so, So that's what we have on the Facebooks. Oh, wow. That was okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Let me head on over to the discords. All right. First up, we've got Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen says, the one where Brent wasn't far off with his own predictions. Okay. All right. Willstar team did not die in the rooms with the descending ceilings. Our special guest star, Vala, experienced a gruesome demise, being burnt at the stakes as Daniel watched in horror. Yes. It's been a week since I've watched this episode along with SGA's The Siege Parts 1 and 2. For most of the episode, I had to reread the summary, yet the part where Vala burned at the stake really affected me. I was on the edge of my seat and almost inclined to just keep watching. I liked certain elements of the story, yet I felt somewhat lacking in the first half. That leads to a 5 out of 8 chevrons from me. Mm. Zach... Being as empathetic as he usually is feels for poor Vala and the grieving Daniel. He appreciates the setup for the last episode and rates Avalon part two a whopping six out of eight chevrons. Yep. Yep. Okay. Brent had a good breakfast. I did. But he is already halfway on his weekend getaway. Well, I'm not now. No, but uh, although I will admit that I that the text messages had been kind of flying in. So it was a little distracting. But. He ends up rating this six out of eight chevrons as well because six. of the reveal of the Ori. Jen ah. got it. Good job, Jen. Good job, Jen. All right. Next, we've Next. got dinner beef. Dinner beef. Hello, dinner beef. Hello, dinner beef. Going to keep this quick. Zach, a six. Ooh. And Brent. A 5.5. Oh, so close. So close. Why? Because hollowed are the Ori. P.S. I really do love the music in Ori seasons. Yeah, very nice. Okay. All right. Very close. All right. So next we have Sean. Hi, Sean. 
Sean starts with some script that I think I could read if I look real. So, uh, your mean with Gotham. I can't quite tell the scripts exactly, but Sean says, oh, sorry, that's old English. I'll start again. Here is my prediction. Ah, okay. All right. Ooh. With Gotham, you know, here it mean. So here my like w- wisdom something, you know. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Sean, do you know, can you read Old English, Sean? Gotta let me know that. Okay. Yes, it's a good one. Very wow, different. Brent's from- gonna start nerding out. Oh, boy. Can- <laughs> oh, boy. I, did I tell you that I read the Anglo-Saxon world for funsies and I just recently finished, uh, it's, it, it, it was written in the early 12th, no, late, late 12th century. It was, uh, oh, golly, who was it? I can't remember his name, but it was the Chronicles of the of the of uh, the Abbey at Bury St. Edmunds. Very, uh. very riveting stuff like like land deals and, uh, you know, abbots going off to ransom kings and things It's really good. Anyway, um, here's my prediction, says Sean. Yes, it's a good one. Very different to part one. If it was made, if it was made now, part one would have been an hour long episode before episode two was released with a different episode title. Yeah, I can see that. This guy in white with the magic staff seems like a good guy, too. Yeah, so he seems like such a good guy, too. Yeah. I hope they stick around to protect us from these new bad guys we're waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be nice allies. He goes on to write in the scripty language, but in in modern English, so I can read it. This one is a six from Brent. Ooh. 5.5 from Zach. Oh, so close. And a six from me, Sean. Super close. Very good. Very, very All good. Right. Uh, that's it that we have for the discords. What do we have for the emails? Okay. Well, we have Lydia Ann on the emails. Hi, Lydia Ann. Greetings, she says. Avalon Part 2 continues. After not dying by ceiling collapse or a sword fight, it's story time with Daniel. Story time. We get important backstory on our favorite ascended beings. Back at the SGC, does Daniel quote the newly expanded mission statement at General Landry? Since the defeat of the Gould, the SGC needs new reasons for continued operations. Yeah. Yep. I love Dr. Lee's line, ultimately, you just have to turn the device on. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's the writers hanging a lantern on all the alien technology misadventures we've had at the SGC over the years. Yeah. Yep, that's true. It's also a reminder that Technobabble is better received when delivered by a series regulars. Where's Sam? Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. So Daniel and Vala are off on an intergalactic search for ancients, and it doesn't go well. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. At least this galaxy's version of Ascended Beings are kind enough to bring Vala back. Yes. That's a good sign, right? Yes, very good sign. Right? Yes. This middle part takes our heroes to some dark places in classic three-part storytelling fashion. It's hard to watch and hard to imagine a resolution for. Brent will give it five chevrons and Zach five and a half. That's very close. Very, very very close. And then finally, we have David. Hi, David. Hallowed are the chevron encoding bias buffers. Ah, yes. This is going to go and, uh, you know, do a little isolated timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly stuff. Uh, we'll see. 
the puzzles are solved and the MacGuffin is found so we can move the plot forward some more. The ancients are not originally from this galaxy. Neither are the Asgard. So what about the Nox and the Mm. Furlings? Mm. Was it about... Maybe this they're all just gal- meeting, meeting up at the in our in Milky Way galaxy was the meeting spot. Oh, there it is. Yeah. What is it about this galaxy that the meddlers like to come here and do stuff? It's convenient. Yep. Also, the Alterans come to Earth. Dot dot dot. Terra, Altera, Terra. Um. Oh. Everything yeah. we thought we knew was a lie. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. This episode is about building tension. Tilk being called out for his loyalties, Garrick and his quest for power, yeah. the unknown tension between General Landry and the new doctor, the yeah. tension between Daniel and Vala. Yeah. Maybe he does have feelings for her. Uh, well, I mean, all I, that it, it, and the beginning of the reveal of the Ori. Yeah. Their worship as gods is not like that of the Gua'uld, as they do seem to be able to back their claims via the prior. Yeah. Another cliffhanger, though. As we have to wait again. Yeah. What we got this week, though, was very good. Last week, I second-guessed myself and changed my prediction for Zach and missed out on Doopadoops. Dang it. <laughs> well, David, did you get it this time? Well, you know, this is what you get when you second-guess yourself. I guess you so. You don't get the Doopadoops. You just got to go with your gut. All right. So he predicts Brent will give this six chevrons for yes. all the good tension. And he says, Zach, because we are starting to see a bit behind the facade of fun and sexy Vala, seven chevrons. Oh! <laughs> <Ha-ha>! <laughs> we are getting to see behind the facade. That is good. That's a good point. That's the true. character it's definitely starting to get there. That's true. Yep. Um, no, I'm not going to give it a seven. I gave it a six. Yeah. It's very, very close. Very well close. done. Well. That's two weeks in a row, though. We've got dupe dupes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, Brent. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. We get to the final episode of this three-part series. Yes. arc thing, right? Ish. But it is not called Avalon Part 3 because we don't really care about the Arthurians anymore right now. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe we do, but we don't because we're worried about the people on the other planet. Mm-hmm. And they're not Arthurian. They may be Middle Ages, but they're not Arthurian. Or are they? I don't know. Let's find in, out. In any case, episode three yeah. is entitled Origin. Aha. And what is Origin all about? Origin. Okay. Origin. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team find a way to travel through the gate and find themselves on a strange <laughs> world. <laughs> Got to keep up with tradition. Absolutely. On this world, they are uh, going to make it easy. They they travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world and happens to be like a little like uh, like a little transfer point. You know how like when you're on like, you know, a city like, a, you know, like a metro line and you get off at this station because then you change you change over to the other line and Got then you keep it. going. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. this is what this planet is. And so it's the transfer hub between the intergalactic, the intragalactic network of the stargates and the intergalactic network that goes far beyond so that's how the stargate sg1 team find themselves way over there where daniel and vala were just a minute ago okay where 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 our big tall guy with the with the weird eyes and the staff that's where they're all there okay all right so while they're there 
the big tall guy with the staff solemnly asks them who they are, where they're from, and how they have been able to get a hold of that ancient Alturian technology. Alturian, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, what that stuff. is that your stuff. quest? Exactly. Only, only much more like, what is your quest? Hallowed be the Ori. Do, what? Do, do, do they ask about colors too? Is I'm your just, favorite just... color? Hallowed be the Ori. Which do you prefer? A lemon twist or a green olive? And that's where Ooh. the team goes, uh, excuse me? And he's like, which do you prefer in your gin martini? I'm going to make you a gin martini. Uh, hallowed be the Ori. Gin martini. Hallowed be the Ori gin martini. Join us next time where he's going to make a gin martini. It's an Ori gin martini. He's making drinks. He's being hospitable. He just rose somebody from the dead. He's a nice guy. He's giving them drink. Do you want a lemon twist or a green? Whatever. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 Origin. I was just enjoying waiting to see where that goes. <laughs> Do you want an and, extra and, and, then, and then you got there and then you're like... Did I get there? <laughs> I got somewhere. <laughs> and, and, and then you had to like like back up doo, 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 and run it over again. Run it over again. <laughs> That's got some rubber flavor in that gin now. Alright, gin. Do you want uh, so, to have some drinks? So you know, I, I'm I'm sure that somebody at some point in time somewhere will will have a drink. Whether yes. it's on camera or not, I can't tell you, tell you for sure. But will but, it be... But, but it'll happen. Will it be an extra cold gin martini lemon twist? You know, I am certain that somebody off camera will be having uh, that. Yeah. Somebody right now is being all like, lemon twist go with vodka martinis, you ding dong. And I'm like, yeah. Or you could have some breakfast gin with a lemon twist. It's delightful. Just saying. Yeah. All right. Well, we have only one solution, Brent. Okay. And that is to watch the promo that David made for us. Oh, Which will tell us what this episode is actually about. I thought that the solution was going to be dry vermouth. Okay, let's carry on then. No, 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 no. We're we're talking. We're, we're trying to move forward here. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Brent's like beep beep yeah. beep. beep. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That was just the Ori prior that we ran over. That's no right. Big deal. <laughs> Ori vodka doesn't work as well. All right. Are you ready to watch this promo? <laughs> yes, I am ready. <laughs> okay. I'm going to hit play now. Hallowed of the R.I. Yes. Next time. Ooh, those are on Stargate SG-1. Fancy rings. rings. Yeah. Hi. Tensions run high as introductions are made. To Garrick. New leader of the Jaffa Council. Oh, okay. You too may find the path to enlightenment. To a prior well, of the Ori. And to one who speaks for the Ori. We are Ori. Oh, instruct these people to worship you. We are their creators. All who follow the path will join us in enlightenment. Out of the Ori. Okay. They're back. Okay. Oh, that's back. Are the Ori? It's all next time on Stargate SG. Whoa! 
Okay. Hello to the VRI. I don't know. Okay, dokie. I didn't see a drink in there, though. I think I might need one, though. Well, I got that's some water. a lot of a lot of fire. I got to tell you. Well, that's true. Um, because, <laughs> you know, if, if you can't defenestrate somebody, you just got to flambe them. <laughs> that is in keeping with medieval tradition. Uh, <laughs> see, there you go. <clears throat> and all comes back. Awesome. OK. All right. OK. All right. We get, to, get to see what this is all about then. All right. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, dear listeners, tell us what you think about what we talked about here. Where did we get stuff right and where did yeah. we get it wrong? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about what's going to happen with the ORI and all of these things? I don't know. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can follow us on the Facebooks and you can go to the discords and do all of that stuff. Yep. If you want, you can go to our website, which is WTTS.space. Space. And invite all your friends to go visit this website, which is WTTS.space. Space. And then maybe you'll meet an Ori who has a staff that makes things better. I don't know. I got Back nothing in there. Back in time. Uh, on, never mind. <laughs> With all that, I say I'm Zach. <laughs> and I'm Brent. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. Hallowed are the Ori. Oh, hey. Yeah, nice.